If you teach kids that there is such a thing as being born in the wrong body, obviously some of them are gonna believe you. Why? Because they're children. And not every kid has a great home life. And yes, we have these children with autism who already don't feel like they fit in. A lot of these kids who are transitioning today have suffered abuse or trauma. Sexual abuse is very common. Hey, Joyful Warriors, I am so happy uh, to be able to bring this episode to you. And it's something that is not a happy thing to talk about, but I'm going to be able to talk to a joyful warrior who is fighting on the front lines um, against gender ideology. Um, Chris Elston is a dad of two girls, a husband, uh, and a Canadian guy who uh, came to America because gender ideology had taken over in Canada and um, came to America to start doing some advocacy to wake Americans up. And boy, has he woken up America. So Chris, welcome to the Joyful Warrior podcast. Uh, for the second time, we did this once with audio, but I wanted everyone to be able to see you and to hear your story and for you to give us an update on where we are in America regarding gender ideology and gender dysphoria um, and and how we can in the future work to, to even... Um, unify more and to fight against this. So welcome. Thank you, Tiffany. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, it was just over a year ago I made my first trip into the States after they opened the borders because scientifically COVID would stop at the border, so they had to close it. <laughs> and anyway, I was allowed into the United States, much to the Democratic Party's chagrin. And I've been traveling around, just having one conversation at a time out on the streets about the harms coming to kids. And on my very first trip into the United States, I was sitting in a hotel room in a little town called Rock Ridge, Texas, when I logged on to Twitter one night and I saw this Twitter space going on. And there was this really cool logo and a group called Moms for Liberty talking in that group about what was going on in schools. And I thought I'd better jump in here. And I met this fantastic co-founder named Tiffany Justice, and we started talking about gender ideology, and it's been the best connection I've ever made because now I get to help work with all your amazing moms to get this nonsense out of our schools, out of our society. Well, so that you. honestly, well, thank you. I, I, the first time that I heard your story, and uh, you started talking about what was happening in Canada, that all of the members of parliament had unanimously decided to consider it conversion therapy to not affirm your child if they wanted to change their gender. That was shocking to me. I lived in Canada for a time when I was younger. and uh, But to hear that was shocking. And so once I started doing some research and I saw how pervasive it was actually in the United States, um, it was very concerning and just felt like our moms needed to understand what was happening on this issue. Chris, I want to jump right in and and kind of talk about the elephant in the room. There's been a lot of uh, questions around parental rights. And you know, Moms for Liberty, we believe that every parent has the fundamental right to direct the upbringing of their child. And so some people uh, who are supportive of um, what they would call affirming your child's gender, um, which let's just define what that means, first of all, Chris. What does sure. that mean? Essentially, it means nothing because my expression is that 
We have two sexes, zero genders, and infinite personalities. Because when it comes right down to it, that's all gender identity is. Even if you look at the activist-produced materials that the left like to lose when like to use when indoctrinating our children. If you look at the genderbred person, which is this cute little image of a gingerbread man, it defines our gender identity as being based on our personality, our jobs, hobbies, likes, dislikes, roles, and expectations. These are all nonsensical, sexist, regressive stereotypes, which is what the entirety of gender ideology comes down to. So when you affirm a child's gender, what they mean is to affirm a lie that a child is something that they are not. There's no right way to be a boy or a girl. Tomboys are not actual boys, and we need to abolish this ideology entirely. So when you talk about parental rights around this issue, there are people that will say to you, well, parents have the right to direct the upbringing of their children. So if they want to cha- try to take the steps to affirm their child's gender through puberty blockers or social transition, that would mean treating your child like the opposite sex or... Um, you know, going to the step of of the mutilation of children, which is what we truly believe, cutting off the healthy body parts of children, castrating children or cutting off their breasts. Um, There are people that would say, well, as the parent, I have the right to do that. Um, But it seems to us, moms and dads, that uh, that is child abuse to to, to take those steps. So let's talk about that a little bit and, and your opinion and, and where you've come on the, on this issue of parental rights when people question you. Because what I didn't mention for people who don't know Chris is uh, Chris has spent uh, an enormous amount of time visiting our chapters, but, but normally uh, the way that Chris engages with people is on the street. Um, you can follow him at Billboard Chris on Twitter or BillboardChris.com. And Chris, you wear billboards, correct? <laughs> yeah, I, I look ridiculous, I'm sure, but I had no means to reach people because the first thing I'd actually done was put up real billboards. I put up a billboard in Vancouver, British Columbia that said the very controversial statement, I love J.K. Rowling. She's the Harry Potter author, of course. She's spoken out in defense of women's rights and against this child abuse going on. And a great woman in the UK had put up a sign at the Edinburgh train station, which said the same thing. It said, I love JK Rowling. Her sign lasted one day because some people on Twitter complained that it was hate speech and the government run train authority took it down. And I'd been learning all about this child abuse and I got tired of our speech being canceled. So I put up a big billboard that said the same thing. It also lasted a day because it was hate speech. That's what that's according to a Vancouver city politician. And so I, uh, had some viral news going on there and I leveraged all this outrage into a campaign and I put up billboards in six different states of the United States, Los Angeles, Portland, San Francisco, all throughout Utah, all throughout the Washington Metro in DC and at Times Square. But because in the dystopian communist country of Canada, I'm not allowed to put up a billboard anymore. I decided, well, they can't take a sign off my back. So I had some signs made and I wear them on my front and my back. My main message is children cannot consent to puberty blockers. And I have my definition of a dad, which is a human male who protects his kids from gender ideology. And I just go outside and I talk to people. And good things happen when you go outside and you don't stop. And that's what I've been doing. And it's working because I've reached probably tens of millions by now which isn't bad for a guy wearing a couple $75 signs. I think it's been amazing. And, I, and the signs say things like, um, 
children can cannot consent to puberty blockers. And just to talk about what that means, children can, can cannot consent to puberty blockers. There has been a myth that has been spread, uh, or a lie, really, uh, that has been told to parents, saying that the that there are not long term effects to children going on puberty blockers. But that's not true, is it, Chris? Parents have been lied to about that. Everything the left says when they talk about this is a lie. So there are really only two objections that people ever have, and this is really easy to deal with. The, the number one thing you hear every time people are pushing for this is that if we don't transition children, that these kids will kill themselves. Parents are told they're coerced at these appointments with these gender doctors, that they have two options. They can have a dead daughter or a live son. What a coercive thing to say to a parent who's struggling with a child who's in immense distress, obviously. And it's just not true. Now, it is true that suicidality, suicidal ideation is higher amongst these kids. Obviously, they're struggling. It's even higher for kids with autism, for kids with anorexia, for kids with borderline personality disorder and other things. But with no other condition, do we just allow a child to threaten suicide and give them whatever they want. We don't take an anorexic girl and give her liposuction. We don't affirm her and tell her that she's dramatically overweight. We address the underlying factors that are causing the suicidal ideation. But with gender ideology, you have a 10-year-old walking into an endocrinologist's office, a doctor with 12 years of post-secondary education, and he just accepts the self-diagnosis of a child and starts him on this experimental drug, which together with the opposite sex hormones is leaving these children sterilized turning them into lifelong pharmaceutical patients, sending teenage girls into menopause. They're cutting off the breasts of girls as young as 12 years old. This is a fact. It's recorded on camera. There's a psychiatrist named Kellen Lackhart at Kaiser Permanente in Oakland, California, where he admits to it. Other statistics just came out last week where we see that 10 different children aged 12 or 13 years old have had their breasts cut off by Kaiser Permanente in California, never mind the rest of the country. We've got 42,000 girls on GoFundMe raising money to get their breasts cut off for gender purposes. Over 100,000 children were officially diagnosed with gender dysphoria last year in the United States. And that's a dramatic understatement because these are just the ones we know about, mostly for medical insurance reasons. And so it's just this epidemic sweeping the nation. You get schools where half the kids say they're LGBTQ of some sort, or 10% of the kids say they're non-binary or transgender. And it's always the most vulnerable children who end up in these gender clinics getting these experimental drugs, hormones, and then surgeries. And of course, they're getting into their 20s and their brains are finishing developing and they're saying, what the heck did you do to me? So when we look at this issue a year ago, you know, you hear me on the, the Twitter space, we start talking. Um, you had been coming into the United States. That was your first time, as you said. Now you've been all over the country um, speaking uh, to parents, speaking to community members at, at meetings, at Moms for Liberty meetings and other meetings, meeting with legislators in different states to make them aware of, of different bills that they can bring forward to help protect children from these atrocities. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and then also working with the Heritage Foundation and some of their team to help to bring awareness and to bring people together around this issue so that we have a deeper understanding about what's going on. For people that um, don't know a lot about of the history of this idea of gender dysphoria or um, gender ideology. Can you give us a, a little bit of the foundation and the history of how this began uh, 
and then walk us through Europe and Canada and where they are right now on this issue. Because you and I, as we have discussed before, Europe is coming full circle on this issue in some places. And yet Americans or the American media, the American progressive far left, seem to want to ignore the fact that there are some real glaring issues here that we need to be aware of when it comes to gender ideology. Yeah, if the media just told the truth about this, this would be over. But they refuse to. And just like with similar um, epidemics of abuse, for example, the prefrontal lobotomy, which is essentially taking ice picks and inserting them through the orbital sockets and stabbing away at the prefrontal cortex. Uh, the inventor of that procedure won the Nobel Prize in medicine, and then it was popularized by the media, of course. And I think 100,000 people or so were harmed by that. And we're seeing the same thing repeat. We have the media celebrating the sterilization and mutilation of children as though this is some loving act of helping them to become who they truly are. And without the media's aid in this, we wouldn't see the explosion that we have. But to talk about what's going on in Europe and to talk about the foundations of this ideology, essentially this all stems from academia. It's part of what we would call queer theory today, but going way back to 1955, there was a crazy doctor at Johns Hopkins University named John Money, who had this idea that if you raised a boy as a girl, that there would basically be no difference between him and other girls because his idea was that gender was all a social construct, basically all to do with our environment. And he got what he wanted when a little boy in Winnipeg, Manitoba, there were two twin boys born to this, born to this couple in Winnipeg. And at eight months of age, they went to get circumcised and they used some uh, electrical device to do it and it malfunctioned and it burned this little baby boy's penis right off. And the mom and dad, of course, were distraught and they saw some advertisement about these theories of John Money on TV one day and they contacted him. And this was exactly what he wanted, a live baby to experiment on for his adolescence. And they castrated this boy completely, raised him as a girl, didn't tell him he was really a boy. And it's a long story, but this doctor was a sicko. He even had these boys doing sexual things together in experiments without their pre parents present. And long story, as adults, both these boys ended up killing themselves, but he falsified his research as well. But from this stemmed this whole theory of gender identity ideology. And it's been floating around in academia forever, but it's emerged from academia and that's now being pushed by all the major global organizations, by all the leftist political parties, by all the LGBTQ organizations. They have essentially stripped gender away from sex and they treat these as though they're two different things. People like ourselves use gender as a polite term for our sex. It was just a synonym. But these people believe that gender is something separate from your sex. And of course, it's all based on stereotypes. And I don't want people to take my word for anything. And what's been really helpful over the last two years is we have all these so-called experts from these children's hospitals and so forth on video telling us exactly what they believe. So in August of this year, I, I got lucky and there's this expression that, it, you know, you throw enough mud at the wall, some will stick. I've been doing things for more than two years and uh, this is probably what stuck the most was I found these videos, thanks to one of my followers, from Boston Children's Hospital, where the gender clinic produced all these swanky, perky, upbeat videos, 
where they talk about gender affirming hysterectomies and phalloplasties and vaginoplasties. They talk about how they do surgeries on kids. We have these doctors at the top ranked children's hospital in the country saying on camera that it's things like a little girl trying to pee standing up, a little boy who doesn't want to get a haircut, or playing with opposite gender toys. These are indications that your child is transgender. She says that children know seemingly from the womb that they are transgender and they can treat these children and they do start treating these children as young as two or three years old. So I think for a long time, a lot of people thought there was just some kind of weird stuff going on at these gender clinics, but they were doctors and they were helping these kids who were in distress. But when you finally see it from the words of these people, it becomes immediately apparent that we're dealing with an extraordinarily dangerous cult that is giving our children experimental drugs and hormones and surgeries and destroying their lives forever. We have Marcy Bowers, the president of WPATH, which is the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, admitting on camera that literally none of the boys who they started on puberty blockers at a young age have been able to have any sexual function as an adult. So when I have my sign saying children cannot consent to puberty blockers, those words are meant to be taken extremely literally. How can a child possibly consent to any of this? They can't consent to throwing away their future sexual function. They don't understand what it even means. They, they, they're reducing their future dating pool to zero. They're sterilizing these kids. What teenage girl knows that she wants to have kids at this point in her life? A lot of 25-year-old women will tell you they never want to have kids. And then five years later, they're chomping at the bit to have kids. This is the nature of things. But... Anyway, this whole thing's insane. Fortunately, we do have countries that are doing away with this. You spoke about Europe. We have Sweden, Finland, and England, which have all conducted unbiased, systematic reviews of the scientific evidence to support this. And they found that there isn't any. So they've done away with this practice. They didn't legislate it away. Their medical boards or their medical associations got rid of it. Same thing just happened in Florida, thanks to all the wonderful people like yourself who are fighting this down there. And so this is the fight that we have. We have medical organizations in the United States, which are completely captured ideologically. They're turning this into a political issue and they refuse to conduct a review of the evidence. The American Academy of Pediatrics won't do it. The AMA says this is the accepted standard of care, American Psychological Association. All these organizations are completely captured by unhinged leftists who refuse to even have a conversation about this, let alone do anything to stop it. Luckily, I think we're seeing pushback. I know that uh, Jamie Michelle was on our podcast from Gays Against Groomers, and they've worked to try to bring um, gay people from around the country together who are, are very upset that they feel that um, their sexual orientation or some people's sexual orientation has been captured and used as a shield for gender ideology. And what what we know in research has been shown is that um, left a child who may show some type of gender confusion left to their own devices over time, um, it, it grows out of that. And, and, and a, a lot of the time we see that the children may be gay and, and that the gender dysphoria was just a passing thought. Um, and so I know that Jamie expressed there are so many people um, who uh, are very concerned about the fact that um, they, they, there's this expression, don't trans the gay away. And I know that sounds kind of harsh, but there's a frustration amongst homosexual people in this country that they are being 
you know, used as a shield for this. And I think that the, the concern is warranted, right? Yes. So I've got some, some stuff to add to that. Historically, that's absolutely true. So if we look at the academic studies, which people can find on my website, by the way, billboardchris.com, there's been about 12 academic studies into gender dysphoria. They all point to the same statistic that 80 to 90% of these children simply outgrow it. And yes, a majority grew up to be gay. However, that's from a time when this affected one out of 50,000 kids. Right. What we're seeing today is totally different. So gender dysphoria, by definition, starts young. Three, four, five-year-old boys, mostly, who wanted to be girls. And they had this feeling, this prolonged... Um, Dr. Miriam Grossman calls it an intense loathing of their biological sex. They had this feeling that stayed throughout their childhood. Very rare. But the cure for that was the child's own hormones that come with puberty. When they went through puberty, almost all of them grew out of it. And yes, the majority grew up to be gay. What we're seeing today is totally different. This is not even real gender dysphoria. This is a cultish craze that is primarily affecting adolescent girls. These are girls who grew up just normal girly girls without a care in the world. And now puberty comes along, teenage years come along, which are tough. I think they're tougher now than they've ever been before, thanks to social media and everything. And it's a hard time. And now we're teaching these kids that if they don't conform to stereotypes, so you've got these girls who maybe don't feel like the most girly girls. You've got all these autistic children who have come to believe that they're born in the wrong body. About half of these children are on the autism spectrum. We know this from gender clinics statistics themselves. In England, out of a sample of more than 1,000 kids, 35% had moderate to severe autism. If you include the more mild cases, it goes about 50%. Well, so, and for no. girls, it's difficult to diagnose uh, autism. It's not as, as, as recognized and diagnosed. So you're right. That number was probably higher than that 35%. And I'm glad that you're bringing up the distinction between where we were and where we are now with this social contagion that has really grabbed the hearts and minds of so many young women. Chris, w women today, moms like me, are left asking ourselves, what can we do for these girls, right, who don't seem to want to grow up to be women in our society? And then I have to go back and just say, as a as a preteen, um, it's not easy for a young girl to go through puberty. It's not an easy time in your life. And you have, you're a dad of two girls. I'm sure you're seeing some of that, right? Um, so tell us a little bit more about the idea that this social contagion that's happened. If you teach kids that there is such a thing as being born in the wrong body, obviously some of them are going to believe you. Why? Because they're children. And not every kid has a great home life. And yes, we have these children with autism who already don't feel like they fit in. A lot of these kids who are transitioning today have suffered abuse or trauma. Sexual abuse is very common. I've had kids come up to me at, I was at a pride festival in Burnaby, British Columbia. And this 15-year-old boy came up to me, a 15-year-old boy with breasts because he's on estrogen. And we ended up talking a little bit on our own once I got away from some harassers. And this boy told me that he'd been raped as a child. This is pretty common. It's more common than people think. And yeah, so you've got a girl, for example, who's been sexually abused. She's not loving being a girl, obviously, at this point in life. And if you give these kids an escape route, well, some of them are going to take it. Who knows what else is going on in their lives? But every single one of these children 
have some mental health comorbidity going on, and that does not get treated anymore. They treat gender as though it's the source of all of their problems. And these kids, to use the words of a, a detransitioned woman named Prisha, whose video went very viral, she said she just took the cure that was handed to her. She had borderline personality disorder. She was struggling mightily in life. And they said, this is what's going to make you happy. And she just took it. These children So are- let's... Yeah. No, I, you know, I just want to take a step back for, for, for moms and dads, right? So they've got this phone, kids have phones, they have access to the internet. So a lot of this is coming through a lot of the different social media apps and, and things that children are having access to online, right, Chris? So just a, a, a quick warning for parents about that. I want to make sure we address that because I know parents are listening to this and they're going, well, how do I protect my child? So a lot of this, the social contagion being bred through the social media apps now we have uh, gender identity instruction happening in America's public schools. Not every school, uh, but in a lot of schools. And if you're a Moms for Liberty chapter member, you know we're giving you tools to be able to uncover that and fight against it in your schools. Um, but let's talk a little bit, Chris, about how these kids are being exposed to this idea or introduced to the idea. And then once they get introduced to the idea, how they are just sucked into this world. Um, of of uh, gender, I mean, I don't even know what to call it at this point. It is a contagion. Yeah. They're sucked into this this crazy world. It's like an upside down world where you're right. We're not addressing the real mental health issues of these children. They're being given. Um, I really think of it as snake oil. It's it's the the wrong solution for the wrong problem. Yeah, this is the cult of gender. This is this, this has all the hallmarks of the cult. And the leaders are our government, essentially. Oh. School unions, you know, it's all, some people call it a leaderless cult, but it's coming from all sorts of directions. But yes, yeah, social media is the main source of a lot of these troubles. You might think your child is just across the room when they're playing on that computer, but you have no idea where they actually are in the virtual world. And I don't want to sound like a conspiracy guy, but of course there are all sorts of groomers online not just grooming kids for sexual purposes, but they're grooming them ideologically into this cult. There's a young woman who came out with me on the street. She came out with me to the University of Washington. She's 22 years old. And when she was 16, she was struggling. She developed really early. That's hard for girls, obviously. And she was just not happy. And she was playing video games. And these kids are talking to people all around the world, even when they're playing video games now. And she made a couple trans friends through playing video games who convinced her that she was born in the wrong body and she wouldn't find true happiness unless she went on testosterone and got a double mastectomy, which she got when she was 16 years old. After just a couple appointments with therapists, they chopped off her breasts. They put her on testosterone. She was on it for three years before deciding this wasn't the right thing for her, obviously. But now she's been harmed for life. It's hard. There's no safeguards in place. But yeah, every single one of these kids is on social media. So the number one thing parents need to do is keep their kids off social media. They don't need it. And if you think it's a fight, well, it's a fight worth having with your own kid because the alternatives are much worse. My kids don't want social media. The ideal thing is to have these conversations with your kids and let them come to their own conclusions about why they don't want it because they don't need it. And if they understand that it's full of, you know, weirdos and stuff that's not good for their mental health, they're not going to want it. So... It's just really important parents have these conversations with their kids and explain to them all about this gender ideology because if kids don't understand what's going on, then they're an open, they're a blank slate 
for anyone to come along and teach them this nonsense. But if you have these conversations, they have this shield of truth. And then when the lies come, they're just going to bounce right off of them. And in fact, even if your kids are in public schools, and even if they happen to be teaching this in the public schools, your child will become an advocate for the truth and be a good influence on other kids. And that's exactly what I'm seeing with my own children. So I'm not worried about them one bit. And I'm glad they're in public school because they're able to help some of these other kids. So Chris, for a mom or dad listening to this and, and saying, gosh, I really want to preemptively, you know, talk about this with my child before they're exposed to it on social media or, or on the online or at school, how do you start this conversation? It's not the easiest conversation to start, but I agree with you. It's something really important. And January Littlejohn, whose daughter uh, was put into a social gender transition program at school in the state of Florida, says and talks about how we need to parent this issue like we would parent any other issue that your children were dealing with. So talk to us a little bit. How do you start this conversation? Well, I mean, every kid's different, every parent's different, so there's no one-size-fits-all. But for me, personally, my favorite time in life is bedtime, especially when my kids were a little smaller. But even now, I still read to them. And it's that time at night when they're chilling out and everything's quiet. That's when they start coming out with their own stories of what happened during the day. Because as most parents will know, you pick your kids up from school and you say, how was school? Fine. Fine. <laughs> what happened? Nothing. What'd right. you learn? Nothing. <laughs> right. right. But then at nine o'clock at night, when you're chilling out, reading a book or something, they're going to start spilling about what's going on at school and everything. And just have these conversations little bits at a time. You don't have to sit down and make this a formal conversation, but you need to get it into your child's head that there's no right way to be a girl or a boy, that they're beautiful just as they are. This is the most body positive message possible. And just slowly and little bits when it's appropriate, start talking about this gender nonsense and they're going to get it. Everyone knows instinctively this is wrong. My daughter at the end of grade seven last year in June, the teacher taught the gender unicorn, which is this cute little image of a unicorn with a bunch of nonsense on it. And at the end of his instruction where he admitted he didn't understand the intersex part of it, but he still taught the false belief that there are more than two sexes. Anyway, at the end of his instruction, the whole class was quiet. Kids know instinctively this makes no sense. My daughter spoke up and she said, it seems to me this is all about stereotypes. If a girl wants to have short hair, that doesn't mean she's closer to being a boy. And because she spoke up, it gave license for all these other kids to speak up and they all agreed with her instantly. So there is pushback happening from kids themselves in some of these schools. And I think that's one of the ways that we're going to end this ideology is by educating our children who can then have talks to other children. Um, that's one way you change the culture. It kind of changes on its own without our own doing sometimes. But yeah, whatever you do, parents, you just have to get up to speed on this ideology and you have to learn about it because this is a cult that is coming for our kids. And if you don't have conversations with your kids, someone else is going to have conversations with your kids. And you don't want them to be the first. It's your responsibility. So when a child decides that they're going to come out as, as non-binary or as, you know, the opposite sex or, you know, when, when a child makes this declaration, 
Um, as you've stated before, a lot of these kids are, are normally or, or oftentimes vulnerable kids. And, and when we talk mm-hmm. about autism in general and we talk with parents who have children who have autism, you know, social interaction can be difficult sometimes and making friends can be hard. But when the kids come out as non-binary or transgender, they are, what you have explained to me is love-bombed. Talk about that a little bit, that, that this, what's happening with this acceptance that's just over the top. Yeah, like any cult, when you first get brought into it, you get showered with love and affection. And it's no different with this. So you have these kids who are struggling. They hate their bodies. They don't have a lot of friends. They're kind of the misfits. And now the moment they come out with some special identity, they get instantly celebrated. Because it's not cool in these schools to be what they call cis, meaning you identify as your sex. It's not cool to be cis, heterosexual, or white. You're at the top of the oppression pyramid. And now these kids are getting love bombed, they're getting celebrated, they're going to these GSA clubs, which are formerly called Gay Straight Alliances. Now I think they call a lot of them Gender and Sexuality Alliances in schools. These are lunchtime clubs or after-school clubs where kids are getting showered with all sorts of attention and they come out as trans and now they're being celebrated by the whole school because they have a special identity and no one dares to say anything approaching reality to them because in schools they always combine this with anti-bullying teachings and to acknowledge reality now is apparently to be a bully. So If you were going to design some evil plot to brainwash children, you couldn't do much better than this. And I guess it has been designed, actually. So we just need to keep getting the truth out there because hundreds of millions of dollars have been spent pushing this propaganda upon our society. But the truth spreads for free. And my vision from two months even before I put up the first billboard was that if we just can have conversations about this, which are somehow prohibited in a lot of parts of society. By simply having conversations and getting people educated, this will spread. And it's working. And it's going to keep working. And they're never going to put this genie back in the bottle now because too many people know about what's going on. So I have 100% confidence to get away from some of the doom and gloom. I have 100% confidence that we're going to win this battle. It's simply a question of how much time it takes and how much harm is done to kids before we do. So the number one thing we can all do is just get brave, get bold. You're on the right side of history. If you can't stand up for the health of our children, uh, well, you need to figure out how, because that's the biggest priority as a parent. It's not about our lives anymore. It's about leaving a legacy and a proper functioning world for our kids. So you have thousands of conversations on the street, right? All over Mm -hmm. the country. You've had thousands of conversations. Tell us from the beginning of the conversations that you had, to where you are now, what has that evolution in a year looked like? Because I think it's important for people, as you said, to recognize you really can make a difference on these issues if you stand up and speak out. Yeah, a little over two years ago, nobody knew what puberty blockers were. People would come up to me all the time with confused looks on their faces and saying, what are puberty blockers? And that's great because I get to have a conversation. But now I get a lot of nods, handshakes, high fives, fist bumps, and... It's always been supportive. I've always had more than 90% support from all over the political spectrum. Once I was able to have a conversation with anybody, but now a lot more people are up to speed, but they're still afraid to speak out because people are still getting fired from their jobs. They're being disciplined, all that sort of stuff. But we just need to figure out how to do it smartly. And ultimately, 
you can't really be punished that much for simply telling the truth. Um, I guess for a lot of people, they need to be careful, but a lot of people don't need to be careful. And a lot of people are unnecessarily afraid. So plenty of people are self-employed. Plenty of people work for conservative organizations where they have nothing to fear and they're still being quiet. But why? We are maiming and sterilizing children. Like we've all got to get going here. And so this year has been beautiful, especially the last four months, because even six or seven months ago, when I was talking with different members of parliament or different members of Congress down in the States, nobody wanted to touch this. No one will still touch it in Canada, but in the US there's been such a massive swing. All the conservative media, all the conservative podcasters are now talking about this. And this will eventually bleed across party lines. It'll go from the red states to the purple states and to the blue states because a lot of parents who vote Democrat, guess what? They don't want their children being sterilized and they're not happy that these schools are hiding that their child has had an identity change at school and is now going by a new name and pronouns. So we're going to win this battle. Completely unacceptable. I mean, what a violation of parental rights for the school to think that they know better uh, than the parent for their child. I was on Dr. Phil discussing this issue. Uh, There were parents who had transitioned their child before the child had even entered kindergarten. Uh, The gentleman runs a, a big a grifting campaign, as far as I'm concerned. It's a, a contractor, third-party consulting firm that comes into schools and makes them gender-inclusive schools and is pushing this ideology. And I told them very clearly, I said, my child does not need a sexual spirit guide at school. They do not need someone at school to keep secrets with them and to to raise them, um, my child, gay, straight, whatever. I love my children. I want them to be happy um, and, and successful people in life. And that's the same child I'm raising. The least interesting thing about a child should be their sexual orientation. Um, and, and yet it seems like that has become the most important thing that people would like to talk about. Chris, before we end today, I want to talk about some of the, the things that are happening across the United States um, to stop this madness. And I'll talk a little bit about Florida, if I can, um, and some of the advances that have happened. And um, you know, Moms for Liberty was founded in Florida, and we have worked really hard to grow as an organization. But in Florida, we've seen great success on issues because of the numbers and the support that we've been able to show. And um, Governor DeSantis has really been a champion for, for parental rights. And you made a comment earlier when you were talking about the way that Europe has gone about changing uh, some of the ways that they handle gender ideology and gender dysphoria or this contagion of gender dysphoria, I think, as you said. Um, they went through a, uh, the process of, of uh, the, the, the medical side of things, being very honest about the truth in medicine about this issue. And Governor DeSantis and the Florida Board of Medicine and the Surgeon General here in Florida, uh, Dr. Latipo, have taken that same approach to go through the Board of Medicine. So tell us a little bit about what happened recently in Florida with the Board of Medicine. And then I'd like for you to tell us a little bit more about some of the most important model policy, model legislation that is out there right now, that if you're an elected official and you're listening to this podcast, that you can go and find and champion, sponsor in your state. If you're a parent or concerned community member, you need to bring these policies forward. So Chris, tell us about Florida, the Board of Medicine, what we hope to happen from that. And then please Give us some more information about legislation and the changes we can make in that area. So the problem with trying to legislate this away, and as we've seen in Arkansas and Alabama, where they passed laws banning what they call gender affirming care, banning puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, surgeries on kids. 
is invariably these laws will get blocked by a federal judge and then it goes to court. And you're going to go to court and the AMA and the American Academy of Pediatrics and Psychological Association, all these leftist run medical organizations, which shouldn't be politically dominated by the left, but they are. They're going to say that this is the proof standard of care. And what are these doc? What are these legislators doing, telling doctors how to do their job? And they're going to come up with a hundred different reasons why these laws make no sense. And the judge, his hands or her hands are going to be tied, and they're going to say, "Yeah, legislators, what are you doing?" And so these laws will get overthrown. So what we really need to do is go about this through an evidence-based process, like the Florida Medical Board did. Now, not every state can do this. You're going to need to have Republican-controlled states to accomplish this. And it's a tricky thing because these doctors end up getting death threats and all that sort of stuff. But the people who spoke against this in Florida were very brave. They conducted hearings. They listened to what the detransitioners had to say. And the Board of Medicine has stopped this process. So ideally, in other states, this is the route to go about this. And then you should follow it up with legislation to make it even more firm. So I was just in Oklahoma And fortunately, this state does have a Republican House Senate and governor, and it has a fantastic senator named Shane Jett, who I spent a lot of time with. I spent time with his family, his wife and three girls, and he's 100% on board with stopping this. I met a number of people associated with the governor and other people in politics there. So we have started the process for nine different bills. It's never good to include legislation that has three or four or five different components because then you have a better chance of seeing it defeated and all these components get thrown out. So we need to have a very focused approach of tackling this. We need to address issues of parental rights, the right to sue, uh, things like one of the bills we're proposing is to make it illegal to falsify a birth certificate. If someone's female, they're female. You shouldn't be able to change a birth certificate to say that they're male. That's just one thing. Uh, Kids need to have the right to sue if they've been harmed. Because currently, the statute of limitations in most states limits it to one or two years. So we need to extend this out 20 or 30 years. Because all these kids, when they leave this cult, they just are trying to survive. They've been struggling. They're extremely embarrassed. They're extremely depressed. They don't have any friends. They get completely cut off from their former community of so-called trans people. And for a lot of them, it takes five or six or seven years before they want to sue. But in virtually every state, they can't do it. So we need legislation focused on that. We need the parental rights and education bill in every state. So you can probably speak better to that, but this is just stopping the indoctrination of children from kindergarten to grade three. They don't need to be learning sex ed and they don't need to be learning that they might be born in the wrong body when they're just trying to figure out the alphabet. And this is common sense. And this is a winning policy. As we saw in the recent midterms, DeSantis took districts where he lost by 10 points which had traditional leftist voters, and he's now winning by 20 points. So we've seen a 30-point swing in some of these areas. In spite of all the media constantly bashing him, calling him a bigot and all this sort of stuff, guess what? People just want common sense. That's all they want. They want you to talk like a parent from 2005 or from 1995, before the world went mad. And if you do that, you're going to win. And for all the political types that are watching this today, They need to understand, and this is my constant message to all these Republicans, that this is such a winning issue to talk about. When you talk about this with compassion and with truth, and you don't exaggerate because there's no need to, truth is already stranger than fiction, 
you will not lose a single Republican voter. You will just pick up centrists and you'll pick up Democrats as well. So we just need to keep telling the truth and we will put a stop to this. This is not an unwinnable fight. We are going to win it, but we all just need to get a little braver. I agree. And, and you were speaking about parental rights and education. That was HB 1557. For those listening, if you want to look, that was passed this past session in Florida and signed into law. And it said that there should be no gender identity instruction or, or, or sexual orientation instruction in grades K through three. Many parents asked why it wasn't through K through 12. Um, it's a great question. Perhaps you'll see that in the future. Um, but when we did national polling on this issue, um, it was Democrats and Republicans together that supported it. So Chris is right. This is a, a winning issue because we all are, are concerned about our children. And this issue has been made, uh, has been politicized, I really believe, in an effort to divide us as Americans. And it's a shame. It's more than a shame. It's a travesty. And you spoke about detransitioners. And we'll close with this. You and I did a Twitter space with a young woman named Chloe Cole who had her breasts removed at 15, I believe. Is that correct, sir? That's right. That's right. And she spoke about the way that puberty blockers and um, this so-called gender-affirming care has ravaged her body. And I started to cry when we were doing the Twitter space when she talked about how she has pain in her mouth and her teeth and has weakness in her teeth and her bones. And was just even making that connection, right? Realizing that all of these decisions that she made at such a young age are affecting and will affect her for the rest of her life. And folks, if you have not uh, heard from or seen any of these messages from detransitioners who are older now and really regretting uh, the decisions that they made at these younger ages or their parents were convinced for them to make. And, you know, Chris, you speak about compassion. I think we do have to have compassion. Uh, a lot of parents have been lied to, and it's important that we get the truth to parents about what puberty blockers and this so-called idea of gender-affirming care, how it's not, uh, it's not positive in any way. Um, but if you haven't heard from detransitioners, you really need to look it up, do a search online and listen to their stories, Chris. Do you have anything to add uh, to that? for people who are listening. So as humans, we've been on this planet maybe 200,000 years. Whether you believe in God or evolution, this ideology makes no sense. If you believe in God, this ideology teaches that God made us wrong. If you believe in evolution, well, this ideology teaches that a billion years of the process of natural selection has failed. And for the first time in human history, in this little five or 10 year window, that AbbVie Pharmaceuticals is here to help your child be who they really are. I think from that perspective, we start to understand how crazy this is. We're trying to change the sex of children. We're stopping the physical development of a child's body. If this isn't your number one priority to fight in life, you might wanna reanalyze your priorities because this isn't just affecting one or two kids here and there. It's affecting 10% of children in a lot of these high schools. It's absolutely sweeping the nation. It's in every, it's all throughout the publishing industry. It's all throughout the entertainment industry. It's all throughout social media. It's all throughout the culture everywhere. And the way we stop this is by simply telling the truth. So if you need to learn more about this, please follow me on Twitter at Billboard Chris or Instagram, same handle. Uh, most of my campaigning I do on Twitter. Please reach out to me through my website. 
but please just get up to speed and start having conversations. Start going to your school board meetings and making noise because it's simply a matter of us as parents speaking up and taking control of this situation. Parents haven't had to do this for a long time. We never had to worry about our kids for decades. They went to school, they were taught how to read, how to write, they were taught mathematics. We're not educating kids anymore in schools, we're indoctrinating kids. And this is the greatest threat to all of society, really, if we don't put a stop to this, because the cycle starts where it becomes about indoctrination. These kids go to university, then they become the teachers, and then they start doing the indoctrination. So it's these kids, these young women, these girls who are the victims at first. And then like in any cult, they become the recruiters for the cult. And that's what we're seeing. We've already seen this cycle go through one or two generations. You've got kids getting taught this in school, and then they become the ones teaching it. So we've just got to nip this in the bud. We've got to tear it out at its roots. And we will, but we can't just be passive anymore. We have to be on the attack. So if you're new to this issue, please go to billboardchris.com, learn a little bit more about uh, the work that Chris has been doing. Um, you won't hear me say this often on podcasts. I normally will say support Moms for Liberty. If you want to donate, donate to Moms for Liberty. But I will say, if you'd like to donate and help someone's cause, please donate to Chris. Chris has done this um, on his own of his own accord. He is a dad, uh, a husband, um, but he has been a burning um, passion has been placed in his heart to save our children. And I am incredibly thankful for you, Chris. I know our chapters around the country are incredibly grateful that you have taken so much time uh, to educate us, to help us, to find words, to fight this. And I do believe because of your efforts and the efforts of many other people, um, we will have a, a brighter future for our kids. So thank you for joining us today. And um, again, check out billboardchris.com. Help Chris if you can. Thank you, Chris. Thank you.